0: Welcome to another edition of Out of the Box Sunday School. I'm your host, Takiyah Evans. As always, thanks for taking the time to listen in today. And our lesson is entitled Jonah, Do the Right Thing. The Bible background is from Jonah chapter three, as well as our printed text. Doing what's right is always a challenge. Engaging in repentance and right behavior after hearing God's warning is an even more challenging situation. Change is often required in life if we are to live in peace with others, but what can we do about life situations that threaten us? After hearing God's warning from Jonah, the people of Nineveh repented and God forgave their sin. God called his prophet Jonah to cry out against a neighboring nation, the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. But Jonah disobeyed God and attempted to run away from his service. So in spite of all this, when Jonah's situation appeared hopeless, God prepared a great fish to rescue him. Jonah was saved from death by grace. God not only saved his life, but also restored Jonah to his position as a prophet. Jonah failed God, but God did not give up on Jonah. God had a job that he wanted Jonah to do and Jonah's failure did not disqualify him for his mission. So God gave Jonah a second chance to fulfill his mission to the Ninevites. God's ultimate purpose was to rid Nineveh of evil. He sent Jonah to warn the Ninevites of their impeding destruction. God would end the evil of Nineveh through divine judgment or if they repented through divine mercy. Our lesson today starts with Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Once again, the Lord told Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach his message of doom. Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh. The city was so big that it took three days just to walk through it. After walking for a day, Jonah warned the people, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. They believed God's message and set a time when they would go without eating to show their sorrow. Then everyone in the city, no matter who they were, dressed in sackcloth. So after Jonah's experience on the boat and in the belly of the great whale, he was finally ready to submit to God's will. God gave the reluctant prophet, of course, a second chance. And Jonah is returned to dry land by God's order to the great fish. The Lord commissions him again to complete the same mission that he had run away from. The command God gave Jonah here in verse 2 is essentially the same one he had given him in Jonah chapter 1 verse 2. However, this time the Lord didn't repeat the reason for his message to Nineveh. He simply ordered Jonah to wait for the Lord's revelation and then preach to the Ninevites whatever message God gave him. The Lord demanded unconditional obedience from his prophet and God controlled not only the call, but also the message. Jonah was not free to change God's message and neither are we. And so Jonah obeys the Lord and goes to Nineveh as the Lord commissioned him. He learned his lesson about disobedience from being inside that great well. So instead of heading west from Nineveh as he did when he tried to run from God, That was back in Jonah chapter three, verse three. Jonah traveled the 550 miles to the northeast, taking about a month or more to reach Nineveh. It is believed that to travel through Nineveh and its suburbs was about three days journey and that the city was about 60 miles around and 18 miles long and 14 miles wide. The expression exceedingly great, if you're reading from the King James Version in verse three, literally means great God or great before God and describes the magnitude of the city in the normal way of expressing a superlative. So three days journey, as mentioned in the scripture, does not mean how long it would take to reach there, but how long it would take to cover the city because of its magnitude. It's a very big city. And this is a huge task for Jonah as it's soon reduced to a day's journey for the inhabitants of the city. They fall on their knees in repentance as soon as Jonah declares the message from the Lord. The message in verse four is very simple. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is the only prophecy in the book. And it and means within 40 days that Nineveh will be destroyed. The seriousness of God's judgment is revealed by the fact that Jonah used the same Hebrew word, verb, overthrown. That is also used to describe the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jonah's message also revealed God's grace as well. Because his his judgment wouldn't fall until 40 days has passed, this was a time of grace when the people would have a chance to repent and turn away from God's anger. The people took the message seriously and responded immediately as they believed God. This is the same thing as saying that the Ninevites repented as their sins and experienced spiritual uh, revival. So Jonah was received by the Ninevites as an authentic prophet bearing God's word. They took him very seriously at that moment. They declared a a fast and showed an attitude of sorrow, remorse, and mourning by wearing sackcloth, which is a coarse cloth that's used uh, for sacking uh, items. And so to wear sackcloth was to willingly debase yourself to show humility and dejection. And everyone, even the animals, joined in in the national mourning and called on the Lord for forgiveness. Our next passage of scriptures from Jonah chapter 3, verse 6 through 9. Read, when the king of Nineveh heard what was happening, he also dressed in sackcloth. He, let the royal palace, he left the royal palace and sat in dust. Then he and his officials sent out an order for everyone in the city to obey. I said, none of you or your animals may eat or drink a thing. Each of you must wear sackcloth and you must even put sackcloth on your animals. You must also pray to the Lord God with all your heart and stop being sinful and cruel. Maybe God will change his mind and have mercy on us so we won't be destroyed. Jonah's message also reached the Syrian king. The king got up from his throne, not only in reverence to a message from God in general, but also in fear of a message of wrath in particular. As a demonstration of his sorrow and shame for sin, he took off his robe, acknowledging that since he had not used his power as he should have by restraining violence and wrongdoing and maintaining what's right, he had forfeited his throne and robe to the justice of God. Then he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes as a sign of mourning and repentance for his sin and his fear of divine vengeance. The king showed his support for the fasting initiative, not only by participating in it, but by intensifying its terms. Not only did the king join the people in demonstrating their repentance, he also turned his um, spontaneous outpouring of sorrow into official mandate. The decree was a fast ordered by the king and his nobles. That's indicating that the whole governing establishment agreed to observe the fast, as well as all the people, and so this made observing, observing the decree a national act, since it was a was to prevent a national disaster. And so, the king's order for fasting—no food or water—also included animals as well, for the king to risk the health of the city's livestock by causing them to fast simply indicates that he believed the destruction was intimate. The king seems to have recognized the empty ritual would, would yield no benefit, but the true repentance begins with the heart and is verified through righteous behavior. He was doing what was right. And for that reason, the king commanded his people to reject their evil lifestyle. The Syrian king apparently had some understanding of God's justice and hatred of sin. And so believing that if his people forsook their sins and did everything mentioned, Jonah's message didn't have any hint that God might withhold his judgment. It only foretold judgment. So the king's statement may have been only a vague hope brought on by the mercy God had already shown to Jonah. If, the, if truth be told, not a single sinner has a right to expect God to call back or withdraw the judgment. He has already declared on that person or this city, rather, in this instance. It's his grace alone that withholds punishment from those who repent. This grace can operate only uh, because Jesus Christ has taken the punishment for sin upon himself. And here we get to our last verse verse 10, when God saw that the people had stopped doing evil things, he had pity and did not destroy them as he had planned. So in verse 10, we see that we have assumed throughout the book of Jonah that God is merciful. Verse 10 is the only is, is one of the key passages of Jonah. It captures God's forgiving nature. God relents from uh, carrying out his judgments against people turn to him with their whole heart in repentance. He's recognizing the genuineness of their repentance from their evil ways, and the Lord changes his mind and he forgives them. God's intention for all humanity is to encounter his love and remain in it. Today, we also should accept the reality that God's work will not be limited. We see Jonah's attitudes in both individuals and faith communities who fixate over which groups of sinners are too far beyond the reach of God's love. God saw among the Ninevites a general conviction of their sins and a general decision not to return to them. For some days afterwards, they lived better, and there was a new face of things in the city, and God was well pleased with this. So God, he takes notice of every instance of reformation of sinners when we do the right thing even those instances that are not seen by the world. He sees who does the right thing and who doesn't. When the people repented of their evil of sin committed by them, God repented or withdrew the evil judgment he pronounced against them. He spared an interview and did not overthrow the city as he said he would in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. God's heart is for sinners. It does not matter how hard in the center or how deep in sin he or she is, God still loves that person. His love for those who are lost is such that he takes no pleasure in the perishing of anyone. God is always eager to forgive and embrace everyone who is genuinely sorry, genuinely wanting and doing the right thing. As we consider our friends, our neighbors, our co workers, and family members, we should never give up on anyone. We must continue to pray even for the person who, from a human standpoint, seems to be a million miles away from ever repenting and trusting God, uh, trusting Christ as Savior. Remember, if the Ninevites could be saved, so can anyone who is weighing on your heart. This is Takia Edmonds. Be blessed, take care of one another, and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday School, and I'll talk to you next week.